Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here. As always, and we're finally back to talk all things Aston Villa. Of course, I am joined by Sebastian Bacon and Danny Razas down the line as well. So we'll get to these two gents in just a moment. But I just want to say I hope everyone's had a, a great Christmas, a happy holidays, and um, are looking forward to an even brighter new year. Hopefully, uh, COVID is one of those things that finally dimmers down for a longer period of time in 2022 maybe that will be the year finally but uh nonetheless let's get to these guys so danny i'll start with you how's it going it's been a little while hey man it's all good it's all good um i've just come out of my i've i caught covid for the first time a few weeks ago so i just um i've, I've been kind of isolating in my parents room i'm out uh not parents room or par- room in my parents house um but i'm i'm kind of i'm out of that now uh, I was pretty much asymptomatic. Um, but yeah, during that, I suppose everybody else has been catching COVID, which is basically put the Premier League fixture list in an absolute tizzy. So uh, I think Villa have had two games postponed so far. Uh, but yeah, sat here thinking, well, if we need to pause football for a bit, that's cool. But there we are. Villa have played again and we lost. But uh, that's all good. I'm glad to be back on the Hawkcast. No, it's good to have you back on, buddy. It's it, Like I said, it's been a little while, and it's nice to see a familiar face as always. And, of course, we have a younger face here to keep the uh, the um, age of this group down a little bit, and that is Seb Bacon, of course. So, Seb, how's it going for you? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, seeing Dan was quite quite pleasing when I knew that he was going to be on Twitch more. So that kept my entertainment levels up. Um, in terms of football, yeah, it's been it's been quite patchy recently, hasn't it? With a lot of games called off at short notice. I mean, I know that Tom has been in England and he didn't get to see Villa play, so that's a massive disappointment for him because I knew how excited he was to see that, and also for me because although I've had a much shorter journey than. Tom, I was at the ground by the time it was postponed. So, you know, the Premier League have got to sort that out. That can't that can't continue going forward into next year. But yeah, in terms of everyone's safety, everyone seems to be doing all right. And that's the main thing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's been an interesting time. And as I say that, um, I think Seb just fell out of his chair coughing. So if you're wondering why he sounds a little wheezy, um, he's a little bit under the weather. I don't think it's COVID related, at least. So we should be OK. Um, but yeah, COVID has been sweeping across the Premier League. It has been sweeping across the UK, has sweeping across Canada. It's uh, it's back and it's uh, I wouldn't say it's better than ever, but it's definitely there uh, to say the least. But anyways, this will be more of just kind of a, a chat of a podcast, really just catching up with everyone. 
um, talking Villa, of course, and we'll do a little bit of a reflection of the year 2021 because I think this will probably be the last uh, Holt cast of the 2021 year um, unless crazy things happen with Villa and we have to kind of make something up on the fly uh, before now and January 1st. But uh, nonetheless, let's get things going, of course, like like I um I think Seb mentioned before, of course, and I think Danny did as well. Uh, 3-1 lost to Chelsea um, on the weekend. Now we go into Brentford on January 2nd. We've already had two games uh, called off previously with Burnley and, of course, Leeds. Um, So fixture congestion in the new year is definitely going to be the gift that, I guess, keeps on giving in that circumstance. But nonetheless, Seb, I'll throw it back to you. How are you feeling about, I guess, the last couple of weeks for Villa? Because, of course, we haven't done a pod since the 15th. Um, not the greatest result against Chelsea, but we can right the ship, I would say, probably against Brentford, couldn't we? Yeah, it's been a tough one because, obviously, Villa have been hit quite heavily with COVID. I think a lot of our players have had it at some point or have isolated with it. Obviously, Gerard came down with it for the Chelsea game. and. You know, I think I think that did affect us against Chelsea. Obviously, McGinn, McGinn was left out, and Ashley Young as well. And I think they were big misses that potentially could have seen the results swing in our favour had we had we had those influences on the pitch. Because Chelsea were obviously heading into that one on poor form, and I was quietly confident of getting a result against them. But you know, when you have such a big presence in McGinn missing it's going to be tough to get a result against anyone in this league. And then obviously when your manager's not on the touchline either, then it just adds to the wounds almost. But yeah, touching on the Chelsea game, I think we were unlucky. It felt from the stands as though there was a result to be had there that Chelsea could have been, could have been scuppered on the day. But in the end, it's just mistakes let us down. Cash just switched off for the first penalty, really. You know, it's just a lack of concentration, a rash tackle. And then and then Chelsea gained momentum from there. But I was impressed with our first half. And then our second half was really poor. We never really got out of the blocks from the second half, which is a complete contrast to when when Gerard's on the touchline, we normally seem to kick on in the second half when Gerard's there. Maybe that was a reason why, yeah, we can't hack anymore. We've got a winnable game against Brentford and then Two, two games against Manchester United coming back. And, you know, as of recording this, Manchester United have just drawn with Newcastle. So who knows? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Seb. Uh, Danny, I'll, I'll throw this one over to you here quickly, of course. Brentford on the weekend um, have definitely slumped down the table a little bit as of late. They've been conceding more goals um, compared to earlier in the season. And I think they've been found out a little bit. Are you confident going into this one? Um, I, yeah, I am. I am. I think. I think if Gerard's back, I, I'm confident. I think you know, regardless of who's who's out and who's you know who's not, I think. I think there will be a response. I really do think that sort of the last game was a direct example of kind of players probably not playing or probably not giving the extra ten percent that's usually there when the manager's there, and also not being able, and also the manager not being able to react completely to things happening on the pitch. I don't think they'll 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 get as scared as they did against Chelsea, you know, if, if anything happens against Brentford. Um and so, you know, therefore I I do I do think that, you know, when 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 things are clicking, when things are going right and Villa are executing their plan, um, you know, especially playing that compact way, uh that, that Gerard style, you know, if the forwards can can get themselves linking together, um, 
yeah, I really do think that um, that, that Villa could go on and, and, and get something there. And I think one thing I actually want to, I absolutely want to see as well is I want to see Carney get that get that first start. Um, I really want to see Carney get that first start. I wasn't I wasn't incredibly happy with the way that sort of Ings and Watkins performed together in that game against Chelsea. So I'd say definitely get some more of that youth out on that pitch, get Carney up there, and uh, yeah, really just really just scare Brentford. You know, I think I think really we can we can play that game like we played the the Norwich game. I think because um, I think Villa just generally have more quality on the pitch. No, I hundred percent agree with that. I think the one thing, and Seb, I'll send this your way here in a moment. The one thing with me, and I mean, we've discussed this throughout this season with Ings and Watkins and what works and what doesn't, and the frustrating thing I noticed with Chelsea, and I'm sure every other Villa fan did too. Um, literally, it's beyond obvious. Is the, the link of play isn't there. Um, I don't know how many times I saw against Chelsea where Watkins could have just easily played through Ings and he just decided to go on his own kind of mazy run to create his own kind of passageway, I guess, through that Chelsea defense, if it was all possible, really, with the limited chances we had. And although I understand it because it's a striker and his instinct doing what he typically would, I feel like throwing Watkins out on the wing. I, I don't know if that's confusing them. I don't know if the link up play with him and Ings is just crossing paths and they're cutting each other off. Or I'm not saying there's something more there kind of undercover that we need to really investigate, but it's not working. Is it Seb to say the least? It's certainly taking its time. I think you could say it's really, it's really difficult because you know that Danny Ings is a prolific goal scorer at this level. And you know, we saw with Ollie Watkins last year as well that he can also score a lot of goals. So it's just about tuning them. I don't think I don't think it's right to disregard any each of their abilities because I do think they can both still be very, very good players for us. I just think at the moment it's about finding the best way of utilizing both of them together if if that's at all possible. You know, Danny Ings has worked in a striker pairing before, so you know it can be done. And Ollie Watkins obviously made his name within a front three at Brentford. So, you know, there's a lot for Steven Gerrard to look at there and ponder on how he can get the best out of them. But I still firmly believe that both of them will come good because I'm a big Danny Ings fan. I think I think he will score a lot of goals for us at this level if we can provide him with the necessary chances I just hope it doesn't turn into a sort of Scotty Hogan situation where you can see him making the right runs but it's just the ball's not falling for him so look there's potential there of course there is we saw it at Southampton and we've seen it throughout the whole of his career so if we can get him firing then that could be a very dangerous front too it's just about how you get it firing and thankfully that's not a conundrum that I have to work out and that's why Perslow brought Gerard to Villa and he's paid him the big money so that he can he can work on problems like that that Dino didn't manage to do before he got sacked. I don't I don't think it's a it's a problem though per se. I just think you've got two strikers who work in that system. You know, I think I think Villa have quite a big squad now and I think, you know, Gerard Gerard does play play the way he does. I don't see a situation in which he would decide he wants to play with two strikers, unless you know we ever played in a played in a sort of five of the back wing backs formation. Uh, as it is right now, that that formation has not done us wrong, has it? Like, um, and I also think Ings played quite well against Chelsea as well. 
I think there was a lot of chances that that were created. And I don't think going forward was necessarily the issue in that game. And you know, I think you're right. Danny Ings is a fantastic is a fantastic player. Who, you know, you can come good for Villa. Um, I don't think it's a Scott Hogan situation either because I think Danny Ings has been finishing for his entire career and 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 he's been doing it at the highest level. I just think that the way it is right now, just play, the, the game the game against Chelsea just really sort of a lot of the time. Ings and Watkins both drifted out wide and Buendia was left playing down the middle and it just made me it was just thinking like uh, I was just thinking sort of like this is all inverted <laughs> Buendia doesn't look comfortable trying to make it through about you know through a back three through the middle um, and then you got both our strikers out wide and I think that was that was the big issue in that game um, but yeah I just don't think I don't think it's necessarily a problem that Gerard has to has to solve there. I think we'll, we're always really going to see either one of Watkins or, or Ings, and I don't think that's an issue. I mean, if you, think, if you think about it this way, in order to progress to the next level, which is something that we've been banging the drum about since we've probably come up from the championship, is that you need strength in depth. And now we finally, we finally looked at the problem of strikers and we've, we've analysed two very good strikers at this level and we now have them to utilise in case something goes wrong. So if Watkins picks up an injury, there's no one I'd rather have come into that team than Danny Ings to be able to score goals freely. And I don't know if you boys remember, but if you go back to the home leg, uh, uh, the away leg, sorry, at Stamford Bridge, Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins, I think it was their first game playing together as a two, but they they managed to form a partnership in that one and we were creating lots of chances and they were mainly coming through Watkins and Ings and they looked as though they were capitalising on their strengths together. So, yeah, they can they can definitely be worked together, but it's whether Gerard chooses to only play one of them at a time and go for more out-and-out wingers each side or whether he does decide to try both of them together with Watkins out wide, but... I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree with Danny. It's not a problem. It's just about how you can get the best out of both of them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the thing with that too really is if, if you look at the times that you've had either Ings and Watkins up front or Watkins kind of off the wing to play off of um, Ings up front really is, I think of what the Chelsea games, you think of probably your prototypical top six really um where it's been you have well, any games really against them is you have infinite really limited chances and you're sitting there thinking okay if you have a half a second you need to capitalize on it if you look at our chances against chelsea where there's an extra touch or two by ings or Watkins or whoever and you just think you just yeah just have to shoot that i think you're afforded those opportunities more so when you're playing your brentfords or brightons or really whoever else that are probably outside of your typical top 6 or 8 you'd really say so you know what as much as we can really kind of i guess go in on it and and try to anal- analysis um or analyze i should say if i can speak english today jesus um and look at it and sit back and see you know what at the end of the day, this might work. It might take more time. Maybe it'll take a whole season. We don't know. But at the end of the day, we'll have to wait and see what really happens. But the most important thing is we do have strike um, depth at the striker position. And I think that's the most important thing because I love Keenan Davis. But if I have to go, had to go through one more season of Ollie Watkins and just Keenan Davis, I'd be extremely uh, worried um, to see what happens in, in case uh, Ollie Watkins does get injured uh knock on wood there but daniel i'll throw this one 
back over to you, of course. I think Seb mentioned at the very start um, that heading into 2021, of course, we play Brentford. Then I think it's United in the Cup and then United shortly after at Villa Park. And I think it's Everton just after that as well. So some interesting and tricky fixtures. It's never lovely to play United, in my opinion. Never lovely um, to play them back to back, especially in the FA Cup. How are you feeling heading into the new year? Because it's going to be a tricky one. And we know how the new year started at the start of 2021 for Villa. Do you expect a better start to 2022 for them? Yeah, I do. I do. I think, I think, you know, points wise, this is where, this is why where you do get disappointed in the games like the Chelsea game, because I really felt there was points to be had there. Um, and, you know, what you, what you don't want is for that to become habit. You know, yet once you have one performance like that, um, we've seen it in the past. You know, the, the, the performance just keep coming um, in that vein. Uh, and, and, you know, I, th- I don't think Jared will take it. I think I think that's the, that's a good thing. I think the lack of John McGinn last game was, um, you know, was quite telling. And I, and, I, and I do wonder whether, you know, once we hit January, whether we're going to see any sort of immediate arrivals which are going to help out. Now, where that is, you know, what you can improve in January, I don't know. But um, I'm also quite interested to see whether Gerard starts bringing in some of the some of the other players who are back from injury. Trezeguet is back now, so is Bertrand Traore. We saw him come on for a little bit. Carney Chukwemeka, he's started to get into the swing of things. Every time he's come on, he's looked good. So, yeah, I think what I want to see is just sort of more of the same, really. But um, <laughs> pretty much, when you look at the case study, everything but what we saw in the Chelsea match. Look, the only thing that has worried me so far is that so. We've won the games that we should win, you know, in that, um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be keeping Brentford in mind there. So you'd, you'd say we beat Brentford, you know, maybe, you know, should be beating Everton. But you never quite know. Um, they've obviously had real problems with COVID. Um, and that's what we've seen so far with Gerard. But you look at Liverpool, you look at Man City, you look at Chelsea, all three of those games, you would say you don't expect Villa to win. But that's still zero points out of nine. Um, and that is a little bit worrying to me. So does that mean that we're going to walk into both United games and get walked over? I don't know. It's just, you know, I look at some of the other sides like Newcastle, Leicester, you know, so so and so, those kinds of sides, um, you know, going to going to the, the quote unquote big teams, the Liverpools and Man Cities and all of that and, and getting points and getting uh, getting results off them. Um, and it almost seemed like it was, you know, it's just not going to be possible for Villa in the last few games. So yeah, I just kind of want to see that, uh, see a better performance against Manchester United, really. And I don't want them to get scared, um, is the main thing. Uh, but, you know, if, if the last game's to go off against United, then I guess <laughs> I guess we should be beating them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the best year to really, or I guess you could say season. Um, of course, we're switching over to 2022, and I keep forgetting. Um, probably the best season to face United, really, with um, management changes and things still not working. Early days there, of course, maybe they do get on a hot streak by then and it's the wrong time to face them but nonetheless I I think with the squad and the depth that we have now I think we can take on multiple fronts and but I don't want to get too much into and obviously this isn't an FA Cup preview because that is still weeks away really but do you think this is finally the season where we can push forward into something like the FA Cup deeper again um, and hopefully get further and not get smashed in the final per se no nah, man, I, I gotta give you a Gerard like response here, but like you know, Gerard like manager like response here, right? But I can't see past that first game. <laughs> like you know, we need to get that we need to get that win against United. And we don't, we're not great at cup scalps, are we? 
No. <laughs> and you know, United United might well put out like a very fearless team um against us, might they? Ronaldo does well in does well in cups, doesn't he? And then, you know, you might see some of the younger, hungrier United players coming on and, and, and doing well against us. But I don't know. I don't know. If we put out our first team against United, and yeah, I absolutely can see us getting a win. But um I just think that Gerard's probably still got quite a lot to do with our team in terms of mentality, where I still think there's a little bit of like sort of belief in the players heads that you know we can't compete at that level yet I still think there's a there's a little bit of that in the team um and that's the only thing that worries me they need to get their first sort of scalp under Gerard, and I think that's when we'll see them kick on maybe that will be the cup game who knows yeah I mean we'll have to wait and see of course but Seb I'll throw this one to you um it's probably the one question that puts you under the most pressure and I'm not expecting you to have any insider information because I don't think any of us do But going into January and throughout the whole month of January, if we really look at it coming up here, because it's literally just days away now, do you expect or do you think Villa will be acting quickly on one or two targets? I mean, we all look at the defensive midfield position. People have said uh, cover at left back or right back. Uh, They've also said on the wings as well. I I wouldn't ask you ever to narrow down a position, but do you think they're going to act quickly on one or two things? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because say we act quickly, does that mean that it's a um oh, his name escapes me. What's the um get yeah, Lang, that's the one. If we act quickly in January, does that mean that it's a Lang target considering Gerard's not been here for too long? It wouldn't surprise me if we if we secure our targets later on in the window with Gerard having more time to have a look at all the data and have a look at what's needed because I I believe that Gerard would have been happy with his midfield options had Nakamba not sadly got injured and he would have focused more on the fullbacks because I think that's something that he'd mentioned previously. However, now with the absence of Nakamba, does that maybe speed up the thought process of bringing a midfielder in from maybe the summer to to now and if so does that mean that we will be speeding up our targets because every club has targets to in each position just in case but obviously when Gerard comes in he's going to have his say and we're never going to sign anyone without without Gerard's Gerard's go ahead so it'd be really interesting to see because we if we act quickly and swiftly then that means that you know potentially there'd be an eyed up before Gerard's arrival at Villa whereas it wouldn't surprise me if we sort of head on later into the window and make our moves within the final week or so because that allows Gerard just that more time to utilize his findings for what he needs to be able to get the best out of the squad for the rest of the season yeah it's it's tricky because you you sit there and you you think you know what if if they act quickly then maybe it's a Lang signing but It'll also be interesting to know as well, and I don't expect anyone to ever find this out unless they're a true insider, but you do kind of have to sit back and wonder if there is a um, an immediate signing as soon as the window opens or within the first week or so. Maybe Jared had in mind for that player at Rangers, of course, and I know there's a quality difference massively uh, between the Scottish Premiership and the Premier League, of course, but it'll be interesting to see. And the one thing that I think of now, you think of the, um, fixture congestion with the two cancelled games will those be wedged in in January 
you look at in my mind the defensive midfield position with just Dougie Louise. I, something in my mind thinks if somehow he gets hurt, what kind of does that play? So I mean, you'd hope and think that they would act quickly on one or two, um, but at the end of the day, it's up to them, and we'll have to wait and see. But everyone always says the Christmas period, and especially January, are almost the most important parts of the season with how thick and fast things come. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes, but. Before we wrap things up here, guys, and this will probably be the quickest podcast we've done in God knows how long, but nonetheless, I want to get a little bit uh, reflective in, in that kind of mood and look back at the year that was 2021 for Aston Villa. So very quickly, Seb, I'll come back to you first. Favorite moment Villa-wise for 2021? Oh, you've put me on the spot here. Looking back, we probably... It's hard to identify one because I'm really struggling to find a, a really standout moment. It's probably going to sound as though I'm sitting on the fence here, but if I were to mention one moment, it would be the Everton 3-0 win at Villa Park because fans had not long been back inside stadiums, so that buzz was still there. You know, it almost feels... Although we'll find out now that it isn't, but it seemed at the time that that was the arrival of Leon Bailey, and he'd he'd burst onto the scene at Villa Park because he completely changed the game, and it was nice to see such a dominant display after not being back at Villa Park for so long. So, yeah, probably the Everton victory. Fair enough, Danny. How about you? Yeah, I'd probably say it's the, um, funnily enough, probably the United game. Um, I mean that that last that last sort of few minutes in that in the match where sort of Emmy Martinez put off Bruno Fernandez um made him miss because he obviously <laughs> pointed at Ronaldo and said why isn't he taking it which is you know probably the best you know shithousery I've seen all or you know for a long time from a Villa player um and then obviously Courtney Howes getting the getting the winner I think that was that was big it's funny because that that almost seemed like the moment when we were going to see Villa really kick on and be that sort of European force under Dean Smith, uh, but it wasn't to be, was it? Uh, it was a kind of shot in the you know shot in the pan victory, and um, it's a shame. But hopefully, hopefully, we'll see a lot more of these from from Steven Gerrard. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's tricky for me, and obviously, they're different moments. So I guess I'll have to pick one, but to kind of rope them in together. Um, because I am the editor of this podcast, so I'm able to do that, um, would have to be. I know it was a 4-1 loss to Liverpool in the FA Cup, but seeing those kids go out there and in place of the senior squad and represent Villa with pride, get that goal that gave everyone a little bit of hope. And you know what? They held their own against the likes of Salah, and I, I think there's a few, but probably six or seven other first-team regulars for Liverpool that played that day or started that day at least in particular so I'd have to say that one um, but to tie it in of course would have to be um, the FA Cup Youth Cup final victory for the Villa as well I think that's something that albeit it happens every season just like the FA Cup um, I think it's uh, kind of a um, an entrance to what many Villa fans may see as a future generation of Villa stars. Um, many are on loan. Many are still in the academy. Some have slowly started to break through. So I think this is just the start of what our academy can produce. And it, it started off with a bang, really, with all the investment in the initial year, you'd probably say. So long may that continue. And hopefully we see more exciting uh, youth academy 
players coming through uh, for many years to come. But anyways, I was just going to, I was just going to say as well, man, I still can't believe that, you know, knowing Villa were going to put out pretty much an under, you know, a side that was a blend of their under 18s and the under 23s, knowing that Jurgen Klopp still sent uh, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane out there. I still can't believe that was a thing. And he still complained as he always does. <laughs> Why? Well, so they needed fitness, didn't they? But, uh, yeah, it's good for them. It was good for them. It was really, really good for them to, to play against that quality. You just wish that place was packed. And that's the one thing I would say. Yeah, but it kind of defeats um, defeats the uh, defeats the obvious, isn't it? About why, yes. why uh, you know, Villa couldn't turn up there because of COVID. So. Yeah, <laughs> no, happened. yeah, you, you are right. It, it's just one of those things, though, like that. I'm sure that made the likes of Louis Berry's night um, when that went, went in the back of the Liverpool goal. But even if there is a few fans there, you'd have to sit there and think that would probably be one of their favorite moments of their young careers. But anyways, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there, guys. We definitely went for long enough. I just wanted to make this as quick of a chat as possible. I mean, we never really have a quick chat here on the Holtcast. So hopefully everybody enjoys. But thank you very much to Seb and to Danny for joining me we should be back um at the start of the new year hopefully just after the brentford game so keep an eye out for that and uh one final shout out um and then you guys don't have to hear about this hopefully till next december of course we're running the just giving page to the end of 2021 for acorns children's hospice so go to triple w dot just giving forward slash fundraising forward slash villa if we can literally double what we wanted to hit initially i think that would be a perfect way to go into the new year and thank you to everybody whether you're part of the 7500 whole team that has donated whether you're a listener um, just a random villa fan um thank you very much thank you very much to tyrone mings for retweeting it that definitely helped out a little bit uh shows what the community is all about at this football club but anyways i'll stop rambling have a fantastic new year everybody and don't forget up the villa Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.